This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. We're a team that's had a lot of success, and we know how to work our way out of things like this. And I like the fact that if you do lose two games in a row, everybody's like got surprise face on. I like that about us. That's a good thing. And now we just got to dig our heels in and get ourselves out of this. I'm reminded of what the great philosopher Alan Iverson once said about a decade ago. And I think you're going to mention, I don't know, like Aristotle Nietzsche or, like or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a- AI is that, right well, there. That's a little much for a Monday morning. Okay, you're going with Alan Iverson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Proceed. Proceed. When he said, what we talking about is practice, man, practice. And let's face it. The last couple of times the team has talked about it, we have discussed that, you know what, probably a good time for the Lightning to practice would be during one of these two days where they have a little break in between games. Now, that's not going to happen. The team is going to decide to do a little R&R. And honestly, Dave, I can't blame them. I think John Cooper said it after the game. They have just played a lot of hockey, like all teams, and that it might be catching up even to a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Brian Engblom and I talked about this on the last call, and I asked him, at this point, is it more about rest, or is this more about practice time? And, you know, Brian said, obviously, it's a little bit of both, but this is a team that does need to maybe start correcting some things, X's and O's wise, on the ice. I don't know if that's going to be a huge deal going into tomorrow night's game, the fact that they're off, but clearly, I think John Cooper and his staff are trying to read the room a bit, And they must have said to themselves, yeah, we do need some practice time, but we do need a little bit more of a break if you ask me which one to choose. And I can't say I I disagree with it, but it will be interesting to see how the Lightning respond to a couple of days off tomorrow night at home. Yeah, so I wrote in my extra shift after the game on Saturday, looking ahead to Sunday and Monday, because the Lightning, we kind of felt, needed both. They needed the rest, but they also needed to get back out on the ice to practice to try and correct. With all due respect to Allen Iverson, <laughs> practice can be beneficial in in steering the ship back on course when problem areas creep into your game. So it's not like there's no worth in having a practice. There is, and particularly when there are areas of your game that have gone sideways, you can utilize practice time to work through that. So I think the expectation was, when we heard Derek Lon mention the team was going to have like a six-hour practice on Monday because he was doing a laundry list of all the things that he probably felt that in a perfect world the coaching staff would want to work on. And I think you're right. I think they took the temperature in the pool and decided that the two rest days consecutively would be more beneficial than having one rest day and having one practice day. The other part of this, Greg, is not only have the Lightning had a busy schedule, they've been getting on an airplane a lot. Even in that week where they played, what was it, four home games, they had the fifth game as a road game in Dallas that was a back-to-back where they had to get on the airplane fly to Dallas, play a game, and then spend the next day, which would have been an off day, which it was an off day. They weren't practicing, but that was a travel day. They flew back from Dallas on that Wednesday and then proceeded to play Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday at home. This week, there's no airplane. 
This week they are home the full week. They have a busy week in terms of four and six again, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. But they can utilize Wednesday and or Friday as a practice day, even though they will have played the night before. But that's that's standard over the course of a, a typical season. I think the fact that they are home all week may have factored into this decision also where the coaches said, you know what, we can we can do the practice on Wednesday. Let's give them another day off because recharging on that metric that you just kind of spelled out, recharging is more important than reinforcing <laughs> is the right word, reinforcing on the ice our habits and and trying to correct some of the the holes that have crept into our game. And I think that's something that maybe we will discuss today on the show at Bolts Radio is where you can get in touch with us. Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com will be coming up uh, later on in the program. We're asking you a couple of questions. What did you make of the last two games for the Lightning? Games in which, yes, I know they lost, but keep in mind, they didn't play particularly well overall, but they had opportunities to pick up points, and they saw both teams score late in the third to prevent the Lightning from doing just that. It's a a bit of a a tough break from that standpoint and one that we will talk about why did that happen. And are you comfortable right now with the Lightning's defensemen? We're getting a lot of questions trickling in right now. We'll address those a little later on. Also, too, and this does have implications when we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and who they're going to face, who they may not face, but... Aaron Ekblad, that is just a a really, it looked gruesome. I always cringe when those videos are put out on Twitter. I talk about the cesspool of Twitter, Dave, and it does give you an opportunity to see things like that with his injury. He had to leave on a stretcher. It could be a a pretty extensive injury, at least the way it uh, was portrayed certainly was. That was midway through the second in Florida's 4-3 win Saturday against the Stars so I don't know what that means for Florida certainly they're one of the teams that are jockeying for that first spot in the Central Division this probably forces them to be active at the trade deadline because let's face it what Victor Hedman is to the Tampa Bay Lightning Aaron Ekblad Dave is to the Florida Panthers I don't know how active the Panthers can be though I think they have a little bit more room than the Lightning but if if they are going to create space by putting Ekblad on long-term injury and we don't know if he's going on long-term Correct. injury but that, that doesn't give you just the the open road with either no stoplights or the stoplights that are there are permanently on green <laughs> you know of course. it doesn't mean that you can just add whoever you want we've seen that with the Lightning the long-term injury allows you flexibility to field a team. It doesn't mean that you can go out and acquire, and he's probably not available anymore, but you know, let's let's look at Matthias Ekholm, who's a lefty, yes. as opposed to Ekblad, who's a righty. But that's a guy that had been rumored to maybe be available at the trade deadline. It, it, that doesn't mean that. So, again, without getting into the weeds on what the Panthers' cap situation is. Who knows? Anton Strawman had just been put on waivers. I know. Which I think that they did that, speaking of of cap implications. Although, again, (laughs) this is where not understanding the intricacies of the cap as well 
And maybe I'm going to take. Maybe they can offer a capology course for, for people. I wouldn't want to take league. that, Dave. I, first off, I would flunk it, but then I'd look at it and say, "Eh, I'll pass on that." Well, one. I think it would be during the off season. Yes. But here's the thing: so Strawman was put on waivers, and I saw, you know, this is to create cap flexibility for right. for the Panthers. Well, you're only giving yourself an extra million dollars, which maybe that's really important. But this is what we talked about: Strawman makes what five and a half million when he gets put through waivers, and if you put him on the taxi squad. Your cap hit is still four and a half million. Mm-hmm. That was that was put in place, and I may not be remembering the exact example correctly. I will probably confirm with Eric when he comes on. But remember, Wade Redden signed a huge free agent deal with the Rangers coming out of. I Ottawa. think the Rangers would like to forget. Wade <laughs> but yeah, they he did was try a lot in the AHL. They yes. did try and forget, yeah, because yeah. they put him into the minors. <laughs> right. And I think that was the situation where they said yeah. the league said, "All right." You have a contract you don't like. You gave out that contract. You yes. can't just bury a player in the minors and have the cap hit go to zero. The rule may have predated the Wade Redden situation, but that was the one I remember. And and then I remember hearing about, well, all right, you can send Wade Redden to the minors, but you're only saving a million dollars on that contract. The rest of the cap hit is still in effect, which does a couple of things. It, it makes it harder for a team – to justify sending that player down and it really doesn't benefit the 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 team much at all because it actually dissuades you from doing that because you're still adding a player to replace in this case Wade Redden and if that player makes more than a million dollars then your cap it actually goes up right yeah. so the Strawman situation I don't really understand how that helped the Panthers in terms of cap flexibility but how lucky are they that he wasn't claimed now? Oh. And, and so they have well. him as a righty, as a guy that that you know can certainly slot in with with Ekblad's. Well, absence. Dave, they're just going to go out and get Jamie Alexia, <laughs> yeah. and everything, will and be make okay. him play the right side, and make him play the right side. Um, but I have to say, like, not just the Ekblad news. So we last spoke on our show on Friday. We did a segment together on Saturday after the first period, but we haven't we haven't really had a chance to chat since Saturday night. So much happened in the league over the weekend. I mean, it's Nashville. Where do they come from? You know, they swept Chicago. Two regulation wins in Chicago. Columbus loses two in regulation to Detroit. Yes. They're going to be a pretty angry team coming in. The Lightning are going to be seeing an angry team. Now, the Lightning are also an angry team and a team that's trying to recharge its battery. Not only did the Blue Jackets lose both games in Detroit in regulation – and now they have tumbled into sixth. Had they won those games, and they didn't, but had they won those two games, they would be in fourth place right now. Instead, they're in sixth, and they're looking up at Nashville and Chicago. But they were outshot in both of those games. I remember seeing the first game and the first period at one-point shots were 15-2 Detroit in the Saturday game. So that's pretty surprising. And then you have the Bruins – with Marshan going on the COVID list, Steve and I were talking about this beforehand, the Bruins just have an insane schedule. Insane. And they are in fourth place. I mean, if they if they have the schedule catch up with them the way it is caught up with the Lightning, which I think it has, they may have a, a real challenge to get into that top four, stay in the top four. That's presuming that one of the teams behind them can catch them and that the Bruins lose the majority of the games that they have in hand. But 
just because you have the games in hand in this particular season, that's uh, that's not a benefit. That means that you have a crazy busy schedule down the stretch, which the Bruins definitely do. What were you saying, Steve, about their schedule coming up? They have a we had a what an eight and thirteen. They have an eight and twelve coming up. Eight games See, in twelve days. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I, I get I, I get what the league's trying to do, yeah. but this goes back to a comment Rick Bonus made again. I, I keep going back to it. The human body is not made to play these many games. I in a short amount of time, you could get the sense, Dave. Bringing it back to the lighting a bit after the game on Saturday, John Cooper was kind of ticked off. I and I'm sure he was ticked off with the team. He might have been ticked off at the questions by the reporters, but. You could just get the sense he's like, you know, these these are more schedule losses than issues with our team. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. That's an observation that, you know, look, we're doing some of these things. A lot of this can be traced to fatigue. It's yeah. not normal and injuries. to play this way. I yes. mean, those those injuries I mean, are a part 12. of the game, but you're pulling out McDonough and Chernak well, from the lineup. Sure. For sure. And Borgman had a tough night. We'll talk about that. Luke Shen obviously is what he is. But, I mean, all of that still being said. The Lightning broke down a bit structurally. I want to get into that. I have some thoughts as to where Tampa Bay is defensively. I know you do, too. But what Steve just said, 8-12, and 12, Dave, that's, that's a lot of stress. And I, I go back to the point I made last month. This season, at first blush, at first glance, was to protect the players and coaches from COVID, understanding that the risk for them is pretty low in terms of is it going to be a long-term issue for them. The real issue for me was will, will would their body be able to handle the rigors of this schedule? Because I think there are serious implications to that, not only right now, but come playoff time. And then what does this look like next year as well? Three different phases, but to me, that has always been the question. How does the body hold up in a short amount of time with all of these important, Dave, and stressful games? Because as we just talked about, at fourth place yeah. in the Lightning Division, it is going back and forth, back and forth. It's and tough. the Bruins are in fourth place. Yes. So, again, the Flyers have had their issues. They're right behind them. The Rangers have been up and down this year they are behind them they're probably the the two teams that have the best shot of catching Boston and the Bruins have games in hand on these teams but there are no guarantees I mean you start playing eight and 12 what if you lose what if you lose four of those games and that's which is certainly conceivable yes yes you're going to be squandering some of those games that you have in hand and I tell you who's surprising not to get on their tangent a little bit here or their their coattails, Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I you you heard me at the beginning of the year. I was not a fan of that team. They're, you talk about injuries. I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, Sidney Crosby is going to start getting in the conversation now for MVP because teams know they basically have one line and that's it, although they're getting some contributions from some other guys and their goaltending has been pretty good. But Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel and Brian Rust have just said, all right, no Malkin. No Zucker, no problem. And they're beating the Islanders. And they're yeah. also getting some help with the schedule. They're playing Buffalo in New Jersey at a time when earlier in the year they weren't. And for them, they've made up some ground. That is going to be an interesting situation because Philadelphia right now stinks. And that's you know a big weird. 
you know what's weird, Greg? I'm just looking at the standings because you mentioned yeah. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is 15-3-1 at home, and they're 7-8-1 on the road. Yeah. And I'm looking at uh, certainly the top teams in every division, with the exception of the Blues, who are shockingly 4-8-4 four, and four at home. <laughs> they're 12-5-2 on the road. That's incredible. Isn't it weird that in this year where a lot of teams started the year, with the exception of like three, a lot of teams started the year with no fans in their building at home. And even now, I mean, it's not a full building situation. Sure. That so many teams are doing so much better at home than on the road. Now, a team like the Lightning is doing well both at home and on the road, better right. at home than on the road. And, you know, you look at Carolina and Florida, they've had a very good record no matter where they have played. But, you know, the Pittsburgh situation is notable. Minnesota's another one, 13-3 and three at home. They're like 500 on the road. Which is interesting, isn't it? That the home ice well, is proving to be really important for some teams. And the other I thing wonder. about the Bruins, by the way, yeah, they have a lot of games to make up. They have played more road games. So they've yeah. banked some road games. I mean, they still have a lot to go. But they will be making up some of these games in a like home game, home game situation, which they just had over the weekend. Sure. But, you know, they had to rally to beat Buffalo, and then they lost to the Devils, the two teams that you've talked about as yeah. – Teams that you should really take care of. The Bruins the had feeders. both those teams at yeah. home over the weekend and just went one and one, and they had to rally to win the game that they did win. Yeah. It's, you know, starting to throw a wrench in some plans, too, is Detroit. <laughs> yeah. They won well, a they couple in a row. They're playing better. They do. And, they and play hard. Adam Ernie has six goals. I, I said, what? Six goals. Good for him <laughs> after what happened with They're over 500 at home. Well, yeah. if you count you know, overtime losses, it's not. They're 9 8 and 3 yeah. at home, 3 12 and, three, and 1 12 on the road. Yeah. You know what I'm wondering, Dave? You threw this out there. It might have been last week. This is just a theory, so I, I, I have no idea. We'd have to probably ask each individual team. <laughs> I'm wondering if the restrictions on the road with teams being able to just stay in their hotel rooms, if that has an effect on why these teams are struggling on the road. In other words, you can't do anything. And, and like guys like to go out. They like to... Be a little bit normal on the road. At home, I think you can do that a little bit more. On the road now, I don't want to say you're a prisoner, but Dave, you're a prisoner. You can't do much. I, I, yeah. I'm just curious. I'm wondering if for some teams, you know, particularly if you go into a road game, you've lost a couple, you're kind of pent up, but I mean, you just, you're just staying in your hotel room. I'm just curious if that has a mental effect more than it does a physical one for some of these teams. Time will tell. Who knows? But you're right. I think it is kind of odd, especially with no fans in the building early on. The teams, at least on the surface, have really played well at home compared to uh, away games. But time will tell. Eric Erlinson coming up in a couple of minutes here. Uh, but I like kind of doing that recap uh, around the league because you're right. There are Nashville. Nashville has really done well too. Now some of it is tied to the fact that they got Roman Yossi back from injury. So we talk about when are McDonough and Chernak coming back. Let's see how the Lightning look when they get their their full allotment of players in there. I have to check their box score. I'm not sure if Ellis is back. But when the Lightning saw them for those two home games the Lightning had against Nashville, they had a lot of players out injured, the Predators. Duchesne was out. Ellis was out. Yossi was out. And they did beat the Lightning in that Monday afternoon game. But they look like they've... Finally, I will say, because they struggled at the start of the year when they had all of their players in. Finally, they have kind of found their their rhythm. And those are two 
big wins in Chicago well, in regulation. And that's a team that they erased a four point deficit. Yeah. And now they're tied. They've hung around. And I, I will say this, Dave, out of all of those teams in the central division, and maybe Carolina is starting to address it, although I still think they they really don't have a solid number one. I think they have competent goaltending, obviously. You don't get to where they are. Uh, and Ellis was not in the lineup in the last game um, for Nashville. So what they're doing is even more impressive. Exactly. They won five in a row without him. But, Dave, I can make a very strong argument, particularly with Ben Bishop out, that Nashville may have the second-best goaltender in the division. And if – Which one are you talking about, Saros or Rene? Because well, Saros, I, he got hurt again, but he's had he's had his hand in some of these wins. He has. He has. But I think Pecorine probably has okay. more of a – certainly more of a track record. And I think – well, maybe, maybe I'm speaking out of, out of tongue here. I, I don't know. Maybe they don't go with him in the stretch run. But I feel like Nashville's goaltending, and if we want to say collectively fine, but especially um, with Pecorine – that might be the, the next team that has the most confidence in their goaltender. And the interesting thing about Nashville, Dave, we heard so much over the last couple of weeks because of where they were in the standings that they were a team that was going to try and unload a lot of guys. You mentioned Ekholm. I'm not yeah. sure you do that now. There was a lot of talk about Duchesne or Johansson. And while those guys, I think, have underachieved, certainly injuries have played a role, but they have not performed the way they want – you can make an argument if those guys are clicking and if they are healthy, Nashville does field a pretty talented team. I don't think they're going to win the division, but they certainly could be a team, Dave, that sneaks into the playoffs and then you know you take your chances with what you have. So remember we were talking about Dallas last week and I made the point that the Stars really could have used – more impact performances from some of their younger players who are getting a chance because of the yeah. injuries. And the one guy I mentioned was Robertson, who actually scored for them last night. Nashville has been a similar situation in that they've had to lean on some guys that maybe weren't originally slated to be regulars because of the injuries. And I think they found some guys. Ellie Tolvanen, who was a first-round pick, I think he was – the last player picked the year yeah. that he was drafted, but he still went in the first round. He has been really good for them. Scored a couple of goals against the Lightning. He's playing regularly. Alexander Carrier, who's been a really good offensive defenseman yeah. in the minors, got a chance to get in there and play regularly. He scored his first NHL goal against the Lightning. I'm looking at their box score last night. He played over 22 minutes. He it was plus two. So I think that they've they've put some guys in, and they've been pleasantly – I don't want to say they're pleasantly surprised. I think they they knew what they had when, when you know, they have these players in their organization. But these guys have really given Nashville some solid performances. And now that they're starting to get healthy, because I see some of the guys that were out when, when they faced the Lightning the last time are now back, like Cunnan is back, Halla is back. Yossi is back. Nick Cousins was hurt. He's back. I mean, those are legit NHLers. They are, legit, but yeah, legit with NHLers. them coming back, we still see Tolvin and, and, and Carrier yeah. in the lineup and, and, and having an impact. So, in fact, Tolvin had the assist, the primary assist, on Yossi's game-winning goal 
that came about four minutes after the Hawks had tied the game at two in the third period. Mm-hmm. So he's having an impact. He's got eight assists this year. That was his eighth assist. So I think that has helped Nashville. And good on them. I mean, you know, they're, they're having their young players come up and really give them a boost. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Coming up, Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. It is Power Lunch right here on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. I wish I could have just a day or two, Dave and Eric Rowlandson from LightningInsider.com, who joins us right now. We could just say, you know what, just just take the day off. Just sleep, just relax, stay in (laughs) bed, and recover for tomorrow, because you'll feel a lot better better and that's what the lightning obviously i'm exaggerating but looks like that's what the lightning are going to be doing today no practice that's of course the one of the topics we've been talking about a little bit there in the first segment and it is power lunch on lightning power play the lightning looking to uh, rebound a bit and hopefully some r&r will get them headed in uh, the right direction for tomorrow night's game at amley against columbus but joining us right now is eric Rollinson. And E, great to be with you, bud. I, I know there had been a lot of talk these last uh, couple of days off that the Lightning would maybe get some practice, to quote Allen Iverson, during this time. But that's not going to be the case. And I get the sense, Dave and I were talking about this in the first segment, that it, it just must have been the head coach taking the pulse of his team saying, you know what, we probably just need to stay off the ice. Yeah, great to be with you again, boys. Um, I totally agree with that. Uh, I think that's just sort of a coach and a staff maybe in talks with leadership and just sort of assessing exactly what's going on. I mean, let's face it, that was a grueling stretch of 15 games in 23 days. I know we talked a lot about the 5-7 and seven to turn into 8-13, and 13, and then when you kind of take the bigger picture on it, it's 15-23. and 23. That's, that's a lot of hockey in a short period of time. Uh, and I think that we could – I think it was easy to see – by the end, the last two games there, the one in Dallas and the one in Carolina, that they were just making mental mistakes that this team has been pretty good at avoiding for the most part at times going back to the second half of last year on. And when you're seeing it from guys like Victor Hedman, I mean, Victor Hedman was smashing his stick over the boards. He was so frustrated with some of the mistakes that he was making. Um, You know, and you see guys like Andre Pallott and Brayden Point, you know, making – mistakes that you're not used to seeing them make uh, at least on a consistent basis no certainly no team or and no player is perfect through an entire game but uh, I, I just I just got the sense that in watching them the last couple of games the fatigue factor was real it's not an excuse it was just easy to see uh, how things kind of went in those last couple of games and I, and I think that the coaching staff just sat back and said you know what maybe an extra day of rest is going to do this team a lot more good than making them come to the rink put the gear on go through an hour, hour and 15 minutes of practice, uh, and instead just do a full morning skate on Tuesday. You actually did a deep dive on this stretch of of the past 15 games in your article that's up today on lightninginsider.com. What did you learn when you did, beyond the things that you talked about from the eye test, but what did you learn or did you learn anything that was surprising when you did a deep dive into the numbers? Well, the first thing that surprised me is that the Lightning didn't play the most games from those dates from March 2nd until, you know, the Saturday game there. Um, you know, so that that kind of surprised me a little bit. I know everybody's playing a condensed schedule. Uh, you know, I, I think Tampa's was a little more difficult. Ten of those 15 games were on the road. 
Uh, we know how difficult it can be on the road in these COVID times for the players. They can't get away from anything. They're they're subjected to staying in their rooms. But as far as the numbers went, um, you know, I, I think that the, the, the shot attempts were a lot closer than I would have thought. I know the gap probably closed a little bit in the, in the two games against Dallas and, and Carolina where they gave up 40 shots on goal. Uh, the only two times they've done that this year. Um, but it, the one number that jumped out to me was the number of high danger chances that the team has allowed. We know Tampa Bay can create offense. They have players that can do it. They do it on a consistent basis. Uh, and one of the things that the team has talked about is cutting down on those high danger chances allowed. And they gave up too many. I think the number off the top of my head was 126 in those 15 games, that's a lot. I'm sure that's a number the coaching staff will not be happy at seeing. That's an area they want to cut down. You don't want to put your goalie under too much stress. They've talked about doing that going back to the start of training camp for the 1920 season that they've talked about. And uh, I think that was a num- one number that kind of jumped out to me as maybe a little, I don't want to say alarming, but a little higher than probably they, they would like to see. Um, you know, and, and as good as Andre Vasilevsky is, you, you don't want to do that to him on a consistent basis. So that's the one thing that I think that, that I learned big time, kind of, you know, jumping into those numbers. E, when we take a look at why the Lightning statistically have been really good defensively, to me there's kind of three layers to that. One, you have an elite goaltender. Two, they play with the puck, and when they're doing that, the other team's not generating as many scoring chances. But three would be, Part of that is they're playing within their structure, and and that's allowed them to be pretty solid. But when you take a look at other teams, and for instance, the Islanders, they play within a structure. They're they're solid defensively. But you can see how the Lightning at times get out of that because so much of their good defensive play stems from having the puck and making good decisions offensively. When that breaks down, the team's decent defensively, but they do have to rely on Vasilevsky a lot at times. They do, and, and you know you're, you, you know this is never going to be the 77, 78, 79 Canadians that I'm sure Brian Engblom can talk about uh, quite a bit and how good defensively they were. I mean, this team's best defense is a good offense, and it is puck possession. And the thing is, you're not going to have it as much as you want it during a game. It, it's not like football where you can dominate, or soccer where you can dominate. You know, 65, 70 percent. Uh, of of the play with with the puck on your stick, uh, so you have to you have to be able to play defense. You have to be able to play that structure. And you know the thing with Tampa Bay that that I've seen, and and I, I think Dave can probably attest to this. They're better at their rush defense than they've been in the past number of years. But in order to be good at your rush defense, you can't be turning puck overs between the blue lines. Those are the biggest areas of the ice that you can't turn the puck over. And when you do that, you get into scramble mode. And when this team gets into scramble mode, sometimes they have a hard time finding you know, the right, uh, the right structure, the right way to get back into what their defense can be. So to me, it's, it's you got to make the other team come 200 feet. You know, you, you, first of all, you got to get your cycle game going. You got to get the puck in deep if the plays aren't there off the rush and then make the other team come 200 feet because then you do have that opportunity uh, if, if it, uh, you know, when the other team comes your way, they're coming 200 feet, not 100 feet or 115 feet, right? Like you're you're making sure that you're aware of what's coming in front of you rather than scrambling to try and get back in position. Interesting that you brought up the rush defense because that was one area of concern that Julian Breezeblatt mentioned during his State of the Union Zoom press conference at the halfway point of the season. The other was too many times shorthanded. And it seems like every game, the Lightning are three, four, five. They had six 
shorthanded situations the other night against Carolina. Are you seeing any trend lines there that can help us understand how and why they are taking these penalties and then as a follow-up, how they can reduce that number? To me, they're very similar to some of the penalties that we've seen them take in the past. You know, it's it's a lot of stick penalties. It's it's a lot of those type of penalties. And I know I think Alex Cohen had a boring call the other night. Um, but you know, it, it's the type of penalties that you know should be I don't want to say easily avoided, but easier to avoid uh, than some of the you know aggressive penalties. I think any coach will tell you that. Look, we'll, we'll call we'll call off the aggressive ones, you know, the ones that you have to take. It's it's sometimes the ones that frustrate you that you end up not killing. And, of course, it doesn't help if you're going to take three consecutive in the third period when you're at the end of 15 games in 23 days like they did against Carolina. And to me, it just has to – you just have to be more disciplined with your stick. You have to be more disciplined in your decisions. And uh, it's a fast game. We know that. But uh, this team is certainly uh, experienced enough to understand – when to make plays like that and when not to make plays like that. Time and situation, I think, come into it uh, as well. Um, so, I, to me, I, I just think it just comes down to more discipline. And I, I guess what might have to bother you is that they've been talking about this, again, going back to the start of training camp for the 1920 season. It's something that's been on their mind, and here it is cropping up again, um, which probably frustrates the coaches. Eric Arlinson from LightningInsider.com joins us here on Power Lunch. I do want to talk to you about the back end in just a little bit and also to the salary cap as much as we can understand it because I know sometimes you, you almost have to get a, a PhD in what the heck's going on with uh, a lot of these moves. But I wanted to ask you about the league in general um, before we move on to some other topics. I'm wondering, did the league, you think, jeopardize the quality of play and the health of the players by trying to protect them from COVID when it comes to the schedule. Not playing this year wasn't really an option. I think we understand that. But this doesn't seem sustainable in some ways, does it? I mean, Steve brought up the Bruins are going to be playing 8-12. and 12. I mean, that's a lot of injuries starting to pile up in a short amount of time. What do you make of, of this whole situation, getting all these games in? Well, there's a business side to protect. Um, you know, the business interests, especially with your TV partners and, and you know, after the the huge financial uh, hit that the league took and teams took uh, with what happened last year. I know the playoffs helped made up for some of that, but not certainly not anywhere near all of it. So I, I think that's something you have to consider. Um, you know, these are world-class athletes. They are certainly well-prepared uh, for these. Uh, it is a lot of hockey. Um, and, you know, every team is going through it. Uh, I don't wonder at this point with uh, some of the reschedules, especially with Montreal uh, and what, what they had to do with the teams up in the Canadian division, now playing a regular season game all the way into May 11th when that was supposed to be the start of the playoffs. Uh, if they don't push that back maybe a couple of days because the quality of the product, I think you do have to be a little bit uh, weary of. Uh, but all of this is being done to try and get the league – back on its regular track and that is to start a season in October next year you know maybe they shorten training camp by a week or so when you get there in September uh, but it's all about trying to get things back on track to maintain the consistency that the league has had for so many years now what's that going to mean for whatever two teams end up making the Stanley Cup final this year 
I think it's going to put them under more stress than usual because of this condensed 56-game schedule and then going into July before you award the Stanley Cup and then having to turn around nine, ten weeks later and start to get ready for next season. I think that's going to have maybe some effects, but at the end of the day, these are world-class athletes. Uh, there's, it's such a science nowadays that they have it down to you know, being able to recover so much better than certainly you know, the guys did in Phil's era or Brian's era for sure. Well, here's a question related to that, Eric, and we're going to tap into your salary cap knowledge and expertise. You're our resident expert because we have nobody else to talk to who will come on the show. That just means we didn't have anybody else, see. Come on. Yes, you've (laughs) you've clarified a lot of things already for me, and I've given you full credit when you have done that. So Greg has brought up the fact that as the lightning head down the stretch, and and they are now – going to be going into regular busy not crazy busy unlike the Bruins but they do have one last crazy busy stretch and it's right at the end of the regular season there are a couple of rescheduled games in there I think they have two back-to-backs in the last week and a half and if their playoff position is secure Greg has mentioned this like could the lightning just sit some guys because they don't want them to play every game or alternatively play them fewer minutes but my question to you is specifically about the first part of that Would the Lightning be able to healthy scratch? I understand they could probably do it with one player, but could they do it with multiple players given their cap limitations down the stretch in the regular season, say one defenseman and one forward? Or are they locked in still with how close they are to the cap that they wouldn't be able to replace those guys if they healthy scratch them? I guess a lot's going to depend on what, if anything, they're able to accomplish ahead of the trade deadline coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, if you're able to move cap space out. I mean, I know Julian said, you know, a couple of weeks ago that because of their cap situation, don't expect them to be able to make any moves. If anything they do, it's going to be dollar in, dollar out. With with the way the salary cap is, you still have to be compliant up until the end of the regular season. And, you know, just as we saw the other night in Dallas where they were forced to have to play or dress a player short, you know, to be able to get the emergency exemption that we've talked about where the player that you call up doesn't count against the cap because you're demonstrating that you do not have enough healthy bodies to be able to field a full team. You still have to be cap compliant. It, it, it's something I would like to know or like to see the Lightning be able to do is maybe rest a couple of guys in that last stretch because the rosters are unlimited when you get past the trade deadline, but you still have to be cap compliant. And for a team that is literally right up against the cap, I just don't know that they're going to be able to pull that off. Um, and they don't have a ton of flexibility. Uh, the trade of Alex Volkov, I think – sort of helps alleviate that a little bit because now if, if you're going to call Ross Colton uh, a regular fourth-line center, you do have the ability to move him between the NHL roster and the taxi squad. Uh, but beyond that, you don't have a ton of flexibility. And I, it's a great idea. I, would, I think that the Lightning could probably use that if they could. I just don't think they're going to be able to. Wait, 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 wait. Can you? What did you just say? <laughs> Those are great. All right. Hey, look, you no, said, I said it. Good idea. No, no, no. We have it on tape. We have <laughs> it on tape. You said great idea, and I don't blame you. Actually, Eric is going to have Steve go back and and delete. The he will part edit where he will edit. But he, he brought up uh, it was Greg's idea. I I love the the segue here because you mentioned Ross Colton. That was the next question I wanted to ask you before I I have another question regarding the back end. As of right now, 
does Ross Colton stay in the lineup even when Kucherov comes back? E, he is making that case, isn't he? Wow, we're looking way down. I thought you were going to say Mitchell Stevens there for a second. Come uh, on, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's earned it. There's no doubt about it. He's a natural center. Um, I think that's the one thing that if you're going to start looking at positions, you know, does a winger come out uh, for a winger coming in and Kucherov? I think that's the one advantage that Ross Colton has. And I just think with the energy that he's brought, with the – chemistry and look he's played with Matthew Joseph quite a bit uh, going back to last year in Syracuse uh, but they just that those three just seem to work together so well right now so if things are status quo I don't know how you take out both Colton or, or if you take out one or the other they you know they've all worked so well to, together um, so it is going to be a very interesting dilemma but if I was to sit here and say right now I think Ross Colton deserves to be look, in this lineup but we're still six seven weeks away from the end we of the are and season. that's why a lot can happen but you mentioned Mitchell Stevens and, and Dave I'll let you jump in the reality is if we're going off of production this year and I know he only played sure. a couple of games before the injury Ross Colton has done more than any young player given a chance that we have seen. And that includes Mitchell Stevens and what he did last year. I think they have some very interesting decisions to make, not only with Stevens and you know anybody else that may be jockeying for a spot in that fourth line, but you can read between the lines, and I'll let people run with their imagination. If I have Ross Colton in the lineup come playoffs when Kucherov comes back, that means somebody is sitting who is a regular. And I'm okay with that. Um, I'm not going to argue that. Yep. Good. Well, and I always counter Greg's hypothesis with <laughs> the notion that we don't know who might be not healthy. Of course. By the of time course. Kucherov returns. Somebody might be healthy now. We don't know what that situation is going to look like. These things do tend to work themselves out. I mean, I will say that. There's a lot of energy expended about what's going to happen a month from now, and then when that month actually arrives, that date arrives, the answers have been provided for you. But I want to circle back, tie in the, the Colton question with, again, this this resting a player here, a player there question. So the Lightning have what? 22 games left in the regular season. Do I have that right? I'm check the I standings. I think it's 21. But 20, 22. Close, yeah. They're at 34. So they have 22 games left. At some point, Mitchell Stevens is coming back. If they want to keep Colton on the NHL roster and can do that with Stevens also on the NHL roster, if we, if we basically replace Volkov with Colton and their lineup looks like it did at the start of the regular season, could they, as a way of answering Greg's question, as we get closer to the end of the regular season, maybe there's a game where Alex Kalorn gets the night off. And then the next game, maybe Barkley Goodrow gets the night off. And maybe the next game, Andre Palat gets the night off. Understanding that you are resting them, not due to performance, but giving them an opportunity to just have the night off you're, you're, you're gearing up for the playoffs. Their playoff position is not in jeopardy. Finishing first is not a be-all, end-all. You may be sacrificing some points in the standings if you do that. But could you see that scenario as a way of working these different players in 
without having to make a concrete decision about what is your lineup going to look like for game one of the playoffs when you still got 12 games left in the regular season. Yeah, for sure. Conceivably, conceivably you could absolutely do that. And, we've and you seen could him... do that and be cap compliant, correct? Yeah, right, because we've already seen it twice this year with Andre Vasilevsky, right, where he was scratched. He was a healthy scratch. He didn't even dress at all, where Christopher Gibson and Spencer Martin, depending on who was up at the time, dresses the backup. So they have the ability to do that with the roster currently as is, even with Mitchell Stevens active, um, you know, they would be in the same situation they were before to where you have a guy like Stevens who's not waiver exempt, which means in order to send him even to the taxi squad, he does have to go through a waiver process. It was the same situation with Volkov. So in that term, there's no you're not really adding anything to the salary cap per se. You know, Ross Colton's salary is, I think, 700000 725000 So it, it's not a ton. Uh, and, of course, that's also going to depend to see, again, going back to the trade deadline situation to see if they do anything to, to alleviate that or, or kind of give some wiggle room whatsoever. But that's a big reason why we've seen, you know, a guy like Luke Shen a couple of times placed on waivers this year so that they have that flexibility to move him back and forth between the active roster and the taxi squad when he's not playing just to save every penny that they can, every nickel, dime, dollar that they can against a salary cap because you want to have as much flexibility, not only for potential trade scenarios, but for the scenario you just brought up uh, because every penny you save today means a little bit more you have down the road. I think that's that's the, the most interesting question you get from a lot of people. What is Tampa Bay going to do, E and Dave, if anything, at the trade deadline? Understanding they're limited, a lot of teams are, I think we also have to keep in mind, too, some of the deficiencies that we've seen over the last couple of days. I mean, Eric Chernak and Ryan McDonough have not been in the lineup. Eric Chernak, E, has been playing at a very high level. I think you can make the argument since last year, but particularly this year. And I think it's noticeable when he's not there. They don't have the same amount of depth behind a Luke Shen or a Borgman. i, I got to be honest with you. I know Borgman had a rough game. I, I still want to see him. I mean, I, I he's young enough. He's 25 years old. I mean, uh, assuming, you know, you have guys who are still out, I mean, I keep running him out there to see what you have. The more games he plays, I, I mean, I, I just think it's smart. The better he's going to look. I think what would be interesting is to have an idea of what defensemen are available as a rental. Because I, I don't – do you have a feel, E? Is this going to be something, understanding the cap's an issue, that it's basically going to get – the Lightning are going to try and get a guy who's more of a depth piece that doesn't cost a ton? Or do you think this could be one of those scenarios where Julian Brisewell says, you know what, to get a, a defenseman that we like beyond this year, we've got some assets we could give up to have a guy contractually for the next three or four. I'm not talking about a big-name guy, but maybe somebody who's young enough that that has some experience that the prospects are the greatest asset Tampa Bay has, not their cap space. But could you entice somebody to give you a bit better of a player coming back if you're willing to maybe part ways with some guys we've seen who are younger uh, come up and down the lightning this year? Do you get a feel for maybe what you would do? I, it's tough to get a sense of what Julian's going to do, but what you would do. I, I mean, I, I think they need depth on the back end. I, I think, if anything, these last two games have shown that. <laughs> you know, and that's it's not to say that, you know, they're in dire need of it. But I, but I think when, you know, when you rely on 
four or five guys like they have, you know, you can get away with it. You can and get away with it is, is, a, is a bad term, but, you know, that's what you do. That's what your strength is, so you're going to use that. But when one or two of those players aren't available to you, it's a massive drop-off. And I think that was evident in the last couple of games. Um, you know, so what happens if you get into a playoff situation and you have that? All of a sudden, that could change the entire dynamics of a series. So I would try and find add some uh, some depth in some way. Um, I, I, rental is probably the best situation because we know the cap, uh, you know, yeah. is is still there. It's not going away. All I've done this year is just kick the can down the line to next year right. because they're going to be in even more of, a, of a, a stressful situation with the salary cap going into next season. Um, so I don't know if, if finding a guy with term is going to even be doable. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is, too, is we've said it. If, if you're going to bring in a player, you have to send a player off your roster out. You can't do a prospects and futures sort of trade. You have to be – it has to be somebody off of your active roster, uh, which then brings up uh, some interesting things because you still have – the no trade scenarios with some of the players that we've identified in the past that still have some say or complete say in some cases, and if they want to move their their uh, you know waive their no trade or not. So uh, I I just I, tempered is probably the best way to approach the trade deadline and trying to assess a situation. Just temper any expectations because the Lightning Why? are not the only team that have <laughs> cap issues. You know, other teams are up against it as well. And, you know, there Listen, are certain teams that do have some cap space to utilize, and they'll be happy to take on your contract, but it's going to cost you a lot. You're saying the Lightning will trade their bad players for the other team's best players, <laughs> and the other team's not going to go for that? Come on, E. You know how that goes. Not, not Greg even, doesn't not want even in EA Sports. <laughs> Greg doesn't want to temper his expectations. He wants his expectations to remain high. Come it on. Takes away so we have, we, yes, well, that's exactly right. We have a show right. to fill Monday through Friday. <laughs> you know uh, this. Last one for me, Eric. So a very strong weekend for Nashville. They swept two in regulation in Chicago. That's now a, a tie between the Predators and Blackhawks for fourth place, which is the final playoff spot. You also got Columbus there. Dallas with the games in hand is still within striking distance. Do you see this still as a four-team race for that final spot? Or do you see the number as smaller than that for the final spot? Uh, boy, after watching Columbus in Detroit over the weekend, uh, I don't know what they have left. Uh, I mean, that's you lose back-to-back games to the Red Wings uh, the way they did. They they looked they had no fight in their game, and that's just so unusual of John Tortorella's team. So I don't know if they're going to be able to dig down and find that. Uh, Patrick Laine has not come in and. And He's given been them, awful. yeah, he has not Jeez. given them the boost that they thought he was going to be for a team that struggled to score goals. It was a, it was a quick start for him, but it's it's been a struggle here the last couple of weeks for him for sure. So I don't know if we can even count Columbus and that. I, you know, they they have a their schedule. I think what are they obviously they get the two games here against the Lightning. I think then they go to Florida and then Tampa Bay is in Columbus next week. I think that's going to tell a lot about where their season's going to sit in terms of whether it's going to be them in the race. Otherwise, I think it it might it might at this point, the way Chicago is sort of free-falling, it might just be between Nashville and Dallas. But even Dallas, you look at the number of points that they've given away on home ice. I think they have seven overtime or shootout losses on home ice, yeah, which right. is just incredible, the number of points that they've let slip away on home ice. And 
of course, we know that the, the schedule that they have is as taxing as any team in the league down the stretch because of all the games they had to have rescheduled. Um, it might just be a, 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 it might just be Nashville <laughs> the way things are going. But uh, that, that's the thing with, with the division format is that everybody plays everybody. So even if it feels like you're starting to slip, a good week against the right opponents can turn things around quickly. You know, it's interesting. Pierre Lebrun had an article today in The Athletic. Maybe it wasn't today. Maybe it was – yeah, it was It was today. And the title is, NHL goalie carousel could be set in motion. I hated the tread deadline. Dave, we've kind of talked about this before. E, we too. I, I'm amazed at, at, at how unstable the goaltender position is with contending teams. And – you can throw Columbus in there, I guess. I mean, look, they're they're close to a playoff spot, but I mean, he's basically throwing out that they could trade one of their two goaltenders right now. And I think a lot of teams are in that boat where maybe they have a couple of guys who can play, but maybe there's no legit number one. And I'll be interested to see, E, because I, I think Dave and I were talking about this before you came on, that maybe when healthy... Nashville gets in because do they have the best goaltending behind Tampa Bay? Maybe. I mean, it's, but it, it's, it, it stands out because it's, I'm surprised at how big of an issue this is for a lot of teams who are contending. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, you know, look, look at, at Car- Carolina. Look Carolina. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Don Waddell even came out and said that maybe they could use one of their goalies as as a trade chip. You know, depending on when Morazic comes back, and I know he, he must be close, but he's not quite there yet. But uh, even Morazic, I mean, that I mean, yeah, Peter right, Morazic, huh? Or or James Reimer or Alex Adelkovic. I mean, any of those are not going to strike fear in any team going into the postseason. The team will, but the goalie might not yes. Um, yes. in terms of the way that they play. And, you know, uh, you know I mean, Kevin Lankinen, it looks like he's kind of solidified himself eh, for yeah, Chicago. Right, right. But, again, he's not going to, you know, intimidate you and, you know, think that you're already a goal behind before you even get into the game. And, you know, Nashville with Rene and Soros. I mean, Soros has kind of taken over that number one. But then you look at what Pecorine did to help get the team back on track and into this position. He was a big part of it. We saw that here uh, at Amelie a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it, it is interesting. Injured. Yeah, yeah, and Hudobin's played okay, and Ottinger's played okay. You know, what will the return of Ben Bishop mean to the Dallas Stars, uh, assuming he comes back here in the next couple of weeks? I don't think he's on track to return, I think, in the next one or two weeks for the Stars. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I know we've had the conversation before that you look at the goaltending up and down, especially in the Central Division. Uh, there's only one team that you can point to and say, yeah, I feel really confident about their goaltender, and it's uh, the one that we're talking about right here. Uh, before we let you go, Ekblad, <laughs> just oh. awful injury. Florida, again, one of those teams that makes makes you feel uncomfortable playing because of the way they play. Carter Verhage is on fire. My goodness, he is playing lights out. Barkoff, we know, is injured, but you know, assuming he gets back and Patrick Hornfist starts remembering what day it is after he got his <laughs> bell rung <laughs> last week. I mean, that's... That's a huge blow. I don't have to understate that, but what what does that do for Florida? That changes the dynamic of their back end. Woo. You know, it, it'd be like it. it That's it's almost Hedman. like losing Victor Hedman. That's yeah, Victor it's, Hedman. It's almost like it. Um, I think Victor Hedman's on a different level than yes, Ekblad. For sure. But the way that Ekblad has played for Florida this year, and the number of minutes that he eats up, and the offensive numbers that he's been putting up, it's a hell of a player. You don't replace it. 
you don't replace a player no. like that. Now, the one thing that they do have is we saw it the other day. They actually put Anton Stroman on waivers. He cleared. He was on their taxi squad. So they have a guy like that that they can rely on, and we know how steady Anton Stroman can be. Uh, so they, at least they do have that in, in terms of being able to bring in a guy on the right-hand side like that. But that is a, that's a big blow to a team that was looking to make some noise this year, uh, have had a great season to this point so far. Uh, we're able to pull out that game last night in Dallas despite the Ekblad injury. Uh, but that's a huge loss. And, uh, you know, depending on when and if Hornquist comes back and we don't know how banged up, if whatever is bothering Barkoff is going to be something that nags, you know, is a nagging injury down the stretch and in the postseason. I, I mean, injuries is, you know, you talked about with your first question, Dave, are going to play a part once we get to, you know, the first week of May. Who's the healthiest might have the best chance to at least get off to a good start in the playoffs. And if you can take care, if you can get out of a first-round playoff situation, in four or five games, how beneficial is that going to be to the team that wins that series? We were just talking about that last week. Yeah, with the rest and recovery and the, and the difficulty of doing that during the regular season, you're really not going to get a chance to in earnest until the offseason. But you could give yourself a huge leg up if you can take care of business, particularly in the early rounds, in four or five games, which is much easier said than done I guess my last thought on the Panthers is and this is a truism that we have been speaking about as long as we've been talking about regular season play and how you get into the playoffs you got to bank points so the Panthers now have hit some really tough sledding with injuries but they've done what they've needed to do through 35 games to put themselves in a position to withstand a potential slump because they have an 11 point lead on the on the next closest team behind them Yep, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something that's going to help them out for sure. Um, it's hard to see, again, with a divisional play going into a slide that's going to knock you out of playoff contention. So that is one benefit Florida has for them. And, look, they, they still have a good team. They you do. Know, it, it, yeah. it, the question is going to be, again, going back to goaltending, you know, what kind of consistency are you going to get out of Bobrovsky? Chris Dreger's come in and played well. You know, can he continue to do that for them? But they do, they do have a good enough team that I, I think that they'll be able to hold on to their spot. And I don't know if they're going to be able to push for number one in the division, but certainly they'll hold on to a two or three spot. Can they go out and get John Van Beesbrook? Yes. Reminiscent of their last <laughs> triumph in the playoffs. <laughs> When he was their goaltender. Dig, digging into the vault. Oh, I'm digging. I'm digging. That's what we do. All right, buddy. Where can people catch your work? And what do you have going on? Lightninginsider.com. Latest articles. Give people a little preview. Yeah, well, again, as Dave referenced, the uh, sort of deep dive into the 15-game stretch, uh, you know, getting deep into the numbers as well as, as the eye test uh, part of it as well. So that's currently up on Lightninginsider.com. Um, the book is still out there. If anybody has any interest in the book, uh, email me, eric at lightninginsider.com. That's Eric with a K. If you are interested in that, I'll send you a signed copy through the mail. You'll get it within a couple of days. Um, and then, um, you know, lightninginsider.com is the website. There's two packages to sign up for. There's a yearly package. There's a monthly package. Uh, and again, daily coverage of the team and uh, no more experienced uh, local media member covering the team than uh, yours truly right here. All right, buddy. We appreciate it. We'll talk Thanks, to you Eric. soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. All right. LightningInsider.com. Eric Erlinson joining us here on the program. Mish, great job today. It was fun. We had a lot to unfold, unpack, and then we're going to be right back at it tomorrow for a game night at Amelie Arena. Yes, and uh, we have fun. our show 
Yep, noon to one. At lunchtime. Yep, yep. talk to you tomorrow. a lot of fun. You got it, buddy. Thanks to uh, Steve Ersnick. Thanks to Eric. I am Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow. Keep those questions rolling, and we'll get to them tomorrow, no doubt, at Bolts Radio. It's Power Lunch. I'm letting Power Play.